Welcome back to all our listeners. And now let us continue. And just like what we usually do, I will play where we left off the last act. And be blessed as you listen to the rest of our conversation. I have a question for that missionary yeah. thing. Because I do remember one of my pastor's wife telling me that when one couple, right, either the husband or the wife, has the calling, they must be, both of them go. So it's not a call for one couple or one partner, but both of them. So since you you have the calling, Carla, I'm going to ask Ian. So how do you respond with that calling when Carla told you like, okay, this is my calling. I want to go here. So how did you respond from that? Good question. I'm wondering if Mahal and I talked about this or if it was on another podcast, but this is this is probably one of one of the foundational moments in my life in the last 20 years. So that question for me is really important. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, all of us. And we've all heard, you know, the whole thing, many are called and few are chosen. My theology on that in talking with Abba Father for the last 15 years is that, you know, and I don't have a seminary degree, but what I feel he's told me is that the chosen part of that is our decision. So if we're not chosen, it's because we're saying no. When we say yes to the calling, he directs it and makes it happen no matter what age we are. And so one of the things I needed to do was because during our process with our kids, we were very much in agreement that if we went, we went together and they heard from the Lord and said, yes, because we'd had kids and we wanted them, you know, our, our mission in life is that to help people hear God for themselves. That starts with our kids, you know, from four or five, six years old, they've been hearing from God. And so they needed to hear and say, yes, that was an agreement we came to. I had never heard the Lord. He had given me a prophetic gifting where I could see a year, five, 10 years out. And I'm also very ambitious in nature, like my personality. So I could vision, I could vision those things. Well, the Lord hadn't ever showed me Africa. It was the one continent I did not want to go to. Like, and I've always had African and Hispanic friends growing up. So it's nothing like that. It's just, I didn't want to go there. A lot of it was like Gideon, like my son Gideon. I didn't want to get eaten by a man. There was a lot of kind of fear associated with, with the bush (laughs) and things. And so I, about three or four months before we left, I was praying pretty heavily in the mornings and I was in the shower or something. And I asked the Lord that question. And I said, Lord, I need to know I'm chosen. I know Carla is, and I know I'm called the missions. I've been called since I was a teenager, but I have to know I'm chosen for Africa because she's the tip of the spear. And I don't want to go prematurely and have one of us die like some of the missionaries of old, because I was presumptive in what you chose me to do. And so he answered me immediately and said, I will tell you in 10 days. And I began trusting and praying. And during that time, I was leading worship at a bunch of different churches. And one I was going to in a little tiny town in Arizona, once a month, my whole family, we were going up there to lead worship, preach and help the leadership team once a month. And I went up there and one morning, about four days into this 10 day stint, I was leading worship, but I was prepping, I was prepping the worship team and praying And the Holy Spirit came and I saw a gal pacing in the back with her Bible open and I knew the Lord had a word for me and I didn't know what it was. So when I got done, it was very heavy and there was probably five or six of us. We were all practically weeping. It was a really strong moment. She came up to me right after the the warm up and she said, what happened to you when you were 12 or 13 years old? And I said, I immediately remembered the two encounters I had with the Lord where he called me to missions. And I had remembered one, but I didn't remember the other. The second one I told her about, she goes, that, this is what she said out loud. That is when you were chosen. God wants you to know. I immediately lost 
because it was like, man, he answered my question. I went back. That was, oh, sorry, that was day nine. Day 10 in the morning, I said to the Lord, thank you so much for that word from her. I said, you promised me you'd tell me day 10. Why did you tell me day nine? He said, because I'm good and I do more abundantly than what you plan for. And I am telling you on day 10. She told you on day nine. So that's how I knew. Like, I believe that question is really important. And I had an encounter with the Lord to confirm the chosen part for me. Thank you, Ian. That's a very wonderful answer on that. You know, sometimes I do believe that sometimes he spoke with us, but we just don't like to listen, isn't it? No, Lord, I like this life. I don't want to go there. If that place mm-hmm. already, everyone in your around you knows you and everyone is so good. It's really, really hard to live on that place. And I admire you both of saying yes, because it is indeed, I agree of what you said, Many is, is been called, but only few say yes on it. Mm-hmm. Annette, you said and, something really good about the comfort part. I want to just encourage everybody on here or anybody you share this with. There are small windows of time when you get uncomfortable and you know, you know in the spirit, it's God doing something. You may not have words for it. You may not. Have, for about a year before we left, Carl and I would, would lay in bed and we would play the song by Switchfoot, the song Restless over and over. And we literally weep crying because we were so uncomfortable and we wanted the uncomfort. We we wanted whatever that meant. We didn't want to miss that moment where he would comfort us in going to the uncomfortable. I just want to, I don't want to pass over what you just said. That's really important. Yes, that, that's a that's a good catch on that one too. Mm-hmm. So my question is, I don't know if it's supposed to be Ian and Carla, but I just wanted to ask your parents, how did they feel? Did you tell them first that, hey, we're going to Africa, we're living? Mm-hmm. How did they respond? Because every place is, right? It's not all the places is safe. Every place mm-hmm. is, there is a dangerous place that we don't know where. But the response on, hey, what is Africa? And what's the life over there? You know, there's a lot of questions, this, that, and, and this. So how your parents respond on that? Uh, I'll answer first because mine's easy. So my dad died. My parents were divorced when I was four and my dad died in 2010. And then I cared for my mom as she died in 2012. But my mom knew that I always had some, this kind of dream in my, my heart. But I always say if my mom was still alive, I would have never come to Mozambique because we were so close. So for me, I still remember the day I brought her back from the oncologist and she had stopped treatment. She was on chemotherapy and and she stopped because it actually was making her sicker. And we were outside my childhood house and and I was living with her at the time helping. And she looked at me because she knew she was stopping treatment. She was just accepting like this is terminal cancer. And she said, and she had tears in her eyes. She said, but she was happy. She said, now you can move wherever God tells you to move. Like she knew as my mom, like there's no, I'm dying. And so now just do what God's called you to do. So for me, I had a release and then she died. And then we moved, were we here February, 2015? Then we, then I just started this journey of, oh, what did, what did she mean by that? I can move. And that's when God reignited that I've been calling you this whole time in your life. 
all of these years I've been calling to Africa, but it was in his timing and he knew I could not leave my mom. So, and, and there was a great exchange of, of my mom leaving. She was 70 years old and like releasing her daughter, like now you can go. And at first I was like, what does she mean? But she knew, like she remembered that desire. So you can comment in your mom's online. No, mom, go for it. Yeah. Mom, answer that. <laughs> what did you feel, Pam? Okay, well, uh, I can still remember where we were when you called us and told us that you were going to be going to Africa. And to be very honest, and you know my heart, we were quite excited, or at least I was. Were you excited? I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> he, 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 Rick wasn't, he wasn't quite sure. I was excited because, uh, honestly, that had been a desire since I was young for myself. And, and I've been in tears listening to this today because especially the last comment about Chosen. Yes, I, I we have been excited for the calling on these children for a very long time that since they since they said yes to it almost 10 years ago and we believe heartily that God is using uh, them both there and uh, doing miracles through the work that they're doing and and back to your I didn't want to shut it off but Mahal back to your question about your relative that's getting married and and I don't ever like to correct our loving son, Ian, but it was 51 years last October. Not <laughs> He's been married too long. They're having a yeah. hard time tracking it now. This one I year. know, I know, I know. But anyway, uh, and, and that question was on my heart to answer you then. I think when we look back at our years, the thing that has kept the marriage together, even through the rough times that happened at about year four of our marriage, then we became presenters with a, a marriage encounter after that. And our, our relationship with the Lord grew and grew and grew. When we have been close to God, would you agree with this, Rick? I mean, even now today, when, when we're closest to the Lord, our marriage is closest to each other. And now when we are, it's a habit to be studying the word and praying together every night. And, and then of course we're active in a, in a fellowship and stuff, but I think that's when we're the happiest and that's when, don't yeah, you think? Well, the first, like the first four years, I didn't have God. I didn't have, I wasn't a Christian. Yeah. I mean, I knew about God, knew all that kind of stuff, but I, I wasn't until, uh, I don't know what, 1974 or so, after we'd been married a couple of years and we went on this weekend, that I saw couples that were Christians having a wonderful life together and, you know, communicating and doing things together. I said, well, gee, I want that. But I, without God, I couldn't have that. So I had to say, okay, God, if you're there, let me know. And he did. Bingo. Yeah. He just yeah. hit me inside of the head. Yeah. So we, that was our, and, and I think that's the, that's the secret, Mahal, is if they can walk through uh, however many years and just keep him uh, at the forefront no matter and and we've been through some rough times but he has kept us together and and we're pretty grateful for that and as back to the missionary uh, situation with Ian and Carla we wish we were there I especially wish I was walking there with them but God has allowed us to live long enough to see what the fruit that's happening there anyway thank mm -hmm. you and thank you for doing this yeah thank you I just want to add, it is so interesting. I feel like your parents are reading the question that I've been thinking to ask you guys. So <laughs> it is just so amazing. So I also want to ask, so as we all know, you know, being in a Bible study is really important. So my question is, unless it's only for men or only for women, but in your opinion, why is it important that married couples both go to a small group together, not just one person 
go and the other person doesn't care whether they go or not? Why is it important for married couples to go and do home Bible study together or even virtual as long as they do Bible study together with other Christian believers? Yeah, so that was my my question. Like I said, unless it's only for women or unless it's for men, but why is it important that as a married couple, they go together and be a part of a small group? For me, I would I would say, you know, we can't here where we are, we can't go like, oh, Wednesday night men's group, Thursday night women's or like a couple's. So we do a, when we do it, it's together. But I mean, for me, it really and, and it goes into the family, like how you read the scripture and God speaks through each family member, through your spouse and, and you're you're reading the same thing. And and it's amazing how in those times God knows and he speaks to you both through that. And I just think it's, yeah, it's like you go to the movies together, you go out to dinner together. This is one of the most important things to do together. Now, maybe it's not a small group. I think when we were younger and married, like he would go to his men's group and I would go to, you know, a women's Bible study because I worked a lot. But in college, when we were courting, we together went to like the, the college one together. But always there's still a time in, in our marriage where we would come together in the word or prayer. So for me, I just think it's, yeah, it's important. It, it's a focus that, that especially in those first years of marriage, to me, it's still a foundation. I remember so many of the first years, us in, in fellowship together with other believers. And Ian, that's how he, you know, picked up guitar and just, we serve a triune God, not, not theology about the Trinity, but like God himself is in fellowship with himself, the way we look at it. And like, we were created to be in fellowship. And, and why not with the, the most important person on earth? And now we do it as a family and add our children into it. So for me, I think it's important. And for some, it may be important, depending on where they are in their spiritual walk, that they're hearing the same thing, you know, from the same, the same Bible. So that's my perspective on it. You want another perspective? Mine's simple. I, I don't want to make a lot out of Adam and Eve, but I think in the culture we're in here, we go back to Adam and Eve a lot. Adam and Eve was the model. Like it says they walked with the word of God in the cool of the day. So he from the very them. beginning, the model was they were spoke they were both supposed to be united as one flesh, but also to walk together in learning this amazing creator, to have fellowship together in community. On the flip side, we do see Jesus separating out. 12 guys but the women followed them in there you know and helped the community of discipleship in the long run and many women did after that but jesus picked 12 guys and i i think that's because mostly because jesus wasn't going to get married but also because the intimacy of what he was trying to do was to restore back and reconcile what had been lost in the garden so he was creating a team an army of guys and then women and their wives that would be able to disciple the world back to remembering the garden. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have a problem with just men's discipleship or just women's, but I don't think it's the main model. I almost, and this is about pastors on here and I've written a book about it. And I, I would tiptoe the line to think that we may even have some infiltration in the greater body of Christ that would look like it's God and look like it's Jesus in the programming, but it's actually the enemy deceiving us to draw lines and make teams. Guys don't know enough about girls, so we got to have just a girl's Bible study and girls don't know about guys. So, we, And then what happens to our marriages? 
then we don't pray together. We don't disciple our kids. We look to another curriculum to do it. So I'm not knocking women's and men's Bible studies, but I'm saying I don't think it was the model. And I do think after all these years, there's, there is a creeping deception in the church, even from our leaders, that that's the way it should be. And I think there was really only one purpose why Jesus did it and was to reconcile us back to the model of the garden. And I think when things are chaotic and as bad as they are in places like America right now, why not just bag the whole thing and go back to the garden? And so that's how our family is. That's what we do with our kids here in with the village here. We've chosen to kind of break those cultural norms. And I have the women and the men actually participate in Bible study together, answer questions together, hear from God together. And it's very, very unique from the last 25 years of how missionaries have done it here. Mahal, could I just add one thing? Rick and I, since we moved to Tennessee, are in a, and and granted, we're much older, but we are in a husband and wife, for the most part, there's some singles in it, fellowship, or or you would say Bible study group for every men men and women together, but mostly couples, but, and 77 of us together. And the interesting thing is, it is so clear in this particular time in our life that most of those people are really full of the Holy Spirit. And and that connection as a couple that we share with them, knowing that they're praying for us as a couple. And yes, the women do have a prayer a time together on Tuesdays and the men on Wednesdays. But on that, in that Bible study on Sunday, we're together. And I think it's a, a real bonding time with the Lord Jesus. It needs to be because the two become one flesh. Yeah. And we should worship God as one flesh together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that. That's what I think is so important, that men and women, husband and wife, can can worship God together, can study the word together, because then both of you are hearing the same thing from from the Savior, from the Lord, and you're in it together. That's what marriage is. We're in it together, one flesh. Thank you for letting us say something. (laughs) Yes, and thank you. And always feel free to answer any questions that we ask. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Yes, thank you. And I still have one more question for you guys. Not of us, right? Not of us. Or those people that are listening to our podcast right now, to our live stream right now, has this kind of situation. So I want to ask for a advice. Not all of us couples or loved ones that has the same fate, isn't it? And sometimes this is the struggle for us as a, as a Christian to bring our partner close to God. So my question is, what advice you can give to those couples struggling to bring their spouse closer to God or to just introduce God to them? I am sure you can guess another cliffhanger, so make sure to follow us so you don't miss the answer to the question where we left off. And also, if you feel in your heart in supporting us and being partnered with us so we could keep continue doing live stream and create good content for all of you, you could do so by giving us a one-time donation or being a member so you could Join us and be with us whenever we do the live stream and unlock exclusive posts and messages and also access the full library and you'll also receive a newsletter in your email once a month from us and we could also pray with you at the same time. And the most important part is you get to partner with us as we share the word of God to the world. Thank you and now let us reflect to everything we've heard and listen to this beautiful music from our Spotify. Thank you so much and stay blessed and always remember, come to Jesus daily. Until next time. I am the night, calling, falling, slipping tires. I am the
dripping pipes The endless aching drops of light I and the raindrop falling down Always longing for the deeper ground I am the broken, breaking seas Even my blood finds ways to bleed Anticipating all that I 